Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. And with me today, we are in the offices of Bell Hops, and I have the pleasure of sitting across from Luke Marklin, CEO. Welcome, Luke. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm pumped to talk about uh, the moving industry. And when people hear supply chain logistics, they probably don't talk about moving or even think about moving, but you're building a really interesting behemoth here uh, within the walls. But I'd like to take a step back and just talk about your personal story. How did you get into the moving business at Bellhops? <laughs> well, 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 first, um, I, I'll have to say, you know, being pumped to talk about moving, you're one of the few. So uh, I, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, most, most people uh, view it as a chore, not as something they're excited to talk about, which is frankly why we have, have a business. So, so yeah, I, I was at Uber um, before coming over to Bellhops. And you know, everybody knows Uber's story, right? Came into uh, an old, broken industry, the taxi cab industry, right? And uh, identified a better way through building a marketplace that produced just a, a, a tremendously better experience, right? And um, when I started considering this opportunity at Bellhops, a lot of the parallels were there, right? It's this big space that one in 10 Americans use every year, you know, everybody, people move about 10 times in their life. And, uh, the customer experience is just, is just really poor, right? You know, the, the biggest companies in the space, you know, their average reviews are the, in the two and three stars. These are billion dollar businesses. Right. And so, you know, it seemed like a lot of the parallels existed in the playbook to fix the industry was, was very similar to the one I was using at Uber. So it was an exciting opportunity. And I had been a customer, and so I knew not only was the playbook there, but the the spirit was there too, and that there was some special going on at Bellhops, and I had to be a part of it. Sure. And w- w- when when you were weighing this opportunity to come and lead Bellhops, what were the specific parallels? Because I could think of several, but I would be curious as to how you thought through that. Being at Uber, looking at Bellhops as a business. Yeah, I mean the the um, if you look at how a taxi cab company is run um, and how a moving company is run, they're not all that dissimilar, right? Mm-hmm. You know, franchised, uh, high fixed overhead, run through clipboards, old school kind of um, uh, uh, techniques, limited customer feedback, no real uh. feedback loops, right? Um, no real marketplace effects, right? No abilities to... Uh, have flexible supply and demand and have people uh, you know, tap into the gig economy, yep. right? And tap into a whole new workforce. All of those um, parallels were the same for taxis and moving. And so, you know, Bellhops is using a lot of that same playbook where, you know, we, every customer, we, we get reviews from customers. We have data uh, on every job. We Bellhops review each other. So all of a sudden we have all of this performance data. 
Um, we've created a marketplace that allows us to tap in not to, you know, the average surly mover, but now we're tapping into people who are PhDs and, and college graduates who are looking for extra income on the side. Um, we've created a brand new workforce, right? And, and the whole process from end to end is just much more streamlined. Sure. So when we look at the, the incumbency in the moving industry, you, you mentioned some of their um, antiquated habits like clipboards, uh, lack of feedback loops, but uh, give us an idea of the market structure. It's heavily fragmented from my understanding. How, how much of it is short distance versus long distance? Yeah, yeah. So there are roughly 15,000 uh, moving companies uh, half of which have less than five employees. Oh, wow. So, you know, talk about a fragmented industry, traditionally with very low barriers to entry, you know, almost identical models Yeah. Uh, 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 that have just proliferated um, throughout the United States. And so, uh, and then one of the interesting nuances that, you know, is probably very relevant to, to your audience is like, you know, while a majority of moves happen um, within a city, a majority of the revenue happens between cities. And so you, know, you have some, somewhere around two-thirds of moves happen within a city, but a third of those moves happen between cities, and that's where two-thirds of the revenue is. So you kind of have two different types of movers. You have the local, peop local movers, and then you have the van lines. And the yep. van lines focus on that smaller subset of moves, but the bigger dollars. Okay. And I, I, I would presume that those city-to-city uh, -city moves are also where the margin dollars are as a result. Yep, they, they sure are. Um, now, ironically, van line operating margins are, are razor thin still. <laughs> so believe it or not, somehow even, even on a $10,000 move, somehow the operating margins for the companies are, are around 5%. So, so a, a big thesis that we have is there's there's a lot of there's a lot of inefficiencies that can be blown up through technology. Correct. But, but certainly that's where a lot of them have focused on those big ticket items. Yeah. So what what's happening here at Bellhops? I know you're you're super focused on using data. Data goes through every single process you have, but it would be great if you could walk through. Uh, for our listeners, how you're using data in an industry that has a lot of it, but doesn't have the capability to use it. Uh, totally. You know, data um, in, in many ways is our secret weapon, right? Because um, compared to any other company in the industry, um, that's where we have a step change advantage. Um, and so then the number one way that we um, use data is performance management, right? The, the reason that a lot of companies, most companies, all companies have to franchise um, is because it's really hard to manage quality at scale, right? And so the, the historical solution has been to put a franchise owner in market who can, you know, touch, <laughs> see all of the operation, see yeah. people come in every day, field customer complaints and deal with people directly, right? Well, obviously for us, that doesn't scale. Um, and 
and and actually not only is there kind of a margin opportunity if we don't have to do all that local brick and mortar but the belief is if we don't rely on kind of anecdotal data but use empirical data we actually can have lower margin and better quality mm -hmm. and that's what we are seeing play out so we have review data we have review data from customers we have it from bellhops we have you know, every bellhop has an app and so we know when they show up yeah know when they leave we know if they were on time uh and so all of that is feeding into kind of our performance management system and it's allowing us to help keep the crews accountable but it's frankly allowing them to stay accountable and the the the, the most powerful lever in in a data-driven marketplace is not actually the 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 parent to you know, or the, the hub to the spoke, but it's actually within the community. And if you can create um, um, a feedback loop where where uh, it's almost gamifying the process and people are sure. getting data real time and seeing how they're doing and there's an incentive to do better, uh, there's these natural things that start happening. And that's what we've built at Bellhops is this awesome kind of self-regulating community um, based on data that's producing awesome experiences. So, so do you oftentimes see that uh, when you have you know, three to four bellhops show up to a job, they're just trying to be the best possible um, bellhop and provide the best customer service because they're that competitive and that gets captured? Yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things uh, about, our, uh, about our business that's different than Uber is, is that this is a team sport. Right. Mm. And so, you know, your Uber driver is somewhat accountable to their score and maybe to the people in their car, but they're, that's it. Right. Yeah. You know, bellhops are accountable to each other. And so we've had to create, um, uh, you know, feedback loops and, um, you know, a way to kind of in, encourage healthy competition, uh, amongst each other. And that, um, is actually a really powerful driver for how, uh, bellhops, you know, get um, info on how to move and it's a really powerful driver and competition and how to perform yeah. their best. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's fascinating. I, I, I'd never thought about uh, there being like supply side effects in the business, but taking a step back, you, uh, you, you have demand for moves. You have the folks at the destination that help do the moving, but interestingly enough, you also have an efficiency around the transportation where you're able to match folks who uh, are licensed to drive trucks in order to move the freight, if you would, or rather somebody's belongings. Yeah, you know, the, the, <clears throat> the, the second reason why all companies have franchised is because of assets, mm. right? And moving is just wickedly seasonal. Yeah. You are doing words, you know, multiples, of more volume in June than you are in January. Yeah. And so you are left with this kind of challenge of either owning assets and then being um, supply constrained in the summer mm -hmm. or bleeding money in the winter. Uh, we said, well, that's probably not how we want to scale. And there's, there's, there's gotta be a better way to, um, to address this challenge. And we've really, we, we've solved that by tapping into the last mile trucking industry. Mm -hmm. So there's 250,000, uh, you know, last mile delivery trucks that yep. are registered with the USDOT driving around cities. And, uh, a lot of those, 
um, drivers are driving at night. They're driving for Amazon and they have unused capacity during the day. Yeah. And it's just a perfect synergy for our business, right? We give them capacity um, and they provide, uh, you know, a very clean truck with all the equipment um, ready for our moves. And what we found is the, the, the differentiator in moving is the customer experience and the yeah. bellhops who are in the home. Uh, the, the, the truck is, is a commodity. Yes. And so our ability to tap into that, get better utilization um, and avoid seasonality uh, doesn't, it actually improves the customer experience because we can be really responsive um, and it helps, helps our bottom line. Yeah. And uh, h- how many cities or geographies are you in today? So we, when I started, we were in 15. We, by the end of last year, got to 22 and we're about, uh, we're a little north of 30 now. Wow. So we're rapidly That's awesome. growing. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, part of, you know, because we don't have to do the franchise model, because we have now a, an ability to build self-regulating communities through data and to tap into these uh, uh, outlets for trucks that are uh, very scalable, we can grow really fast. Yeah. And, and that's really the, the course we're on right now. I think what's interesting is like we think about innovation in terms of like all the buzzwords and data and all that. But actually, the interesting thing that you've done is create a culture and a system where it can self-regulate and a region can be spun up and there's the right uh, te- uh, telemetry and incentives where people do well, do better. But I want to talk about the experience because um, when I moved to Chattanooga, I used Bell Hops actually a couple times and it was amazing. Like, I don't know why it hadn't existed before, but um, I saw somebody... Um, explain it or describe it as Southern hospitality that's data informed, uh, <laughs> if I remember right. But I want to I want to get into that. How how do you build this type of culture? Because people, you know, we we drive ourselves nuts in the venture world, culture, culture, culture. But you have it here. Yeah. How, how do you put that system and then reinforce that system? <clears throat> you know, uh, <laughs> I I I wish that you know you could just have a cookbook that tells you how to, to build it. And I'm ac- maybe I'm actually glad that it doesn't exist because yeah. I think we have it and I think it actually would be very hard uh, to replicate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think we have it because it was, you know, when our company with, was, was born, it, it was in the DNA of the people who started the company and they had an alignment of purpose and values, and we, we just haven't wavered on that ever since. And, you know, the, the, the two kind of main values that, that we've always had are, are to treat the bellhops like kings and blow the customer's mind, mm-hmm. right? And those have informed our company values. Those have informed uh, really all of our major uh, uh, decisions that we've made in terms of how to build the platform, how to build the organization. Um, and those are the things that, um, you know, it's informed our mission statement of, of transforming the industry. And so, like, you just set a North Star and then you build everything around it. And uh, that's how you build it structurally. And then you just have to, as a leader, live it every day. Yeah. yeah. And if you're making compromises where, you know, you're putting the business immediate metrics before those values, you'll quickly kill that culture. Um, but if you treat certain things as sacrosanct, um, that's how it preserves. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. So 
because you have these two guiding values where you have to blow the customer's mind, the, the bellhops um, should be treated like kings. Um, how, how does that inform your, your product? Because you have you know the bellhops app, you have the customer-facing app. There's a lot of different pieces to your technology. How does it all come together? Like, What is that kind of single thread, or how do you even rationalize and reason through it? Because it's a lot. Sure. We have two experiences, right? A customer experience and a bellhop experience, mm-hmm. right? And every decision we make, we, we transpose it to what part of that experience are we talking about, right? And then how is it making it better? Or potentially, how is it making it worse? Sure. Right. Yeah. And and certain, and so you know the interesting thing about a, a marketplace, right, is uh, there's nothing that you do that doesn't have a ripple effect on you know all parts of your business, right? We don't make widgets in a factory and then yeah. put them on a truck and sell them, right? You know if we do something for bellhops that's going to have an impact on customers and we do something for customers that's going to have an impact on bellhops. And if we do something for our business for margin or something like that, it'll have an impact on both too. So there, there's this kind of interconnection between all three things. Um, and you know, every product decision we've mapped out the customer journey, we've mapped out the bellhop journey and everything gets applied to how does it help or, or hurt that. Um, and, um, you know, the beautiful thing is, if you create a really efficient platform, right, that is, uh, uh, that is for both customers and bellhops, then that it gives you the space to have have your cake and eat it too. Sure. Right? If you have a really complicated platform that uh, doesn't have a lot of uh, efficiency and and relies on her- heroic actions from one one of the sides of the platform or you know heavy spin on one side or the other you know you will get to a breaking point but if if you create something that takes friction out of the marketplace then um you know usually you can make decisions that complement all sides yeah we we've on on previous episodes talked about friction at at length across various different pieces of supply chain and, and, and logistics. So that definitely rings true, as does the fact that ultimately you focus on your people. You focus on your customer and then the people that interface with the customer, which yep. um, sounds yeah. sounds novel, but that's how it should be. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of our, uh, you know, to, to those kind of two maxims that we had early on have translated into company values and, and you know, we're, it's interesting because our, our, one of our core of company values is, is servant's heart. And in our business, our culture is our product, right? You know, the way that, that I treat our employees is the way that they treat the bellhops and the way that the bellhops are treated then is how they treat the customers, right? Yeah. And then if, they, if all of that is well, then the customers treat bell, the company well and it, the cycle continues, Correct. right? Correct. And so everything needs to be reinforcing right there and it begins with having you know a deep desire to 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 serve um to 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 listen and exceed expectations um and that's how we make product decisions yeah so so taking a step back here and and i might be able to guess some of what your response will be to this but 
How does this moving experience now going forward kind of 10x? How do you improve? Where do we go from here? Yeah. If I don't, you don't have to, you can pick. What's great about moving is you can find anyone on the street and they've had the experience, right? Most likely. And what I found that's great about moving too is I talk to people who live in New York City. I talk to people who live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I talk to people everywhere in between. And the challenges and the perception of the industry are kind of similar. And I think a lot of it is, is to that earlier point of just a very uh, analog process and, and pretty rudimentary business practices, right? And, and so there's an abundance of opportunity. And we've focused a lot on transforming what happens when people show up at your door. Uh, I think the next wave for us is is focusing on what happens before. Mm. And a lot of um, stress happens from that moment that you've decided, okay, I'm going to move my home. I'm going to move homes to I have to get a mover. How do I find the right one? And then to the moment they show up at the door, like, is everything going to be okay? And so there's a lot happening um, in technology right now that can improve that. You know, wouldn't it be great if you could, uh, you know, do a quick 30-second video of your home and get an instant estimate because there's a AI that can just quickly tell you how much your move's going to be, Yeah. right? And wouldn't it be great then if that translates into an inventory list that the movers who show up have, yeah. right? And it wouldn't it be great if in that period between, uh, you know, when you did that to, the, to, to when the movers showed up, you had a nice interface where you were able to drag and drop the boxes in your house into the, the, the rooms of your new home so that the bellhops, when they show up, know exactly where, how to load the truck and exactly where things need to go when they show up. So that all, the, all of a sudden, now on move day, instead of this frantic thing where you're worried about your, your belongings and having to stay on top of, of this move crew, uh, you may just can, you know, not you maybe you can just go to the spa and relax yep. and maybe move day can actually just be a lot more peaceful yeah um so you know a, a lot of that is coming um we're 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 cracking a lot of that now and you know the end, end goal you know our, our website says let's imagine if moving were fun i i hope we can get there but if at a minimum we can take the stress out of it and make it just del- surprisingly delightful i'll yeah. be very happy yeah so uh to close out here um, my wife really got into Murray Kondo's books <laughs> and, uh, as a result, she went on a binge, literally purging our house of things that I didn't know we had, but candidly, we didn't really have that much to begin with. And then I caught myself doing that in our office down the street earlier this week. Uh, what do you think of that Murray Kondo philosophy? Do you subscribe to it? Is that the type of experience <laughs> you think maybe at some point uh, you would uh, hope your uh, customers to have? But I, I couldn't help but well, ask that. Well, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, her philosophy is very good for business. So I encourage everyone to, <laughs> right. to, to, to do that. Yeah, I, I encourage everyone to... Uh, uh, remove things from from their life and uh, have us help them with it. Yeah, yeah. so so it sparks joy all around. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, we are... We are on board with uh, any time that you need to move anything in your home, uh, we're there, uh, and we ideally will be the least stressful part of that. Yeah, awesome. Hey, Luke, uh, great chatting here. I don't think there are many folks in the country who could speak to this industry like uh, you just did. And uh, with that, hopefully have you on here in the near future again. Cheers. Amen. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.